Hello, everyone. We're glad you found us and welcome to our podcast at antiqueauctionforum.com. We hope you find this show entertaining and informative. This is Martin. And Phyllis. And we have an interesting guest today. Very Um, interesting. I think this will be perhaps our only guest that ever walked on the moon, don't you think? Um, I'm going to make a bet that, yeah, that's probably right. Yes, we have Alan Bean on the other line. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing good here in Houston, Texas. Nice weather and uh, glad to be on your podcast. That's great. Thank you so much. Yes, we're really happy to have you. Um, Now... Alan is an extremely talented artist, and the reason I know this is uh, I happened to be watching the uh, History Detectives the other week and saw Alan on there and saw his artwork, and so I got right on the computer, and I was lucky enough to have him agree to join us today. So, Alan, um, can you tell us a little bit about your paintings? Well, uh, I was an astronaut for 18 years and was lucky enough to be the fourth man to walk on the moon. Mm-hmm. My hobby had been art uh, before I was uh, came as an astronaut. When I was a Navy test pilot, I enrolled in night school and and took drawing and watercolor because mm-hmm. I just liked it, enjoyed art. And uh, through the years, I did that. I did it at NASA, took from uh, Museum of Fine Arts, night school, things like that, just mm-hmm. as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And then when I uh, uh, had returned from Skylab, which was my second mission in uh, NASA, I th- and I was training to fly the space shuttle, as commander of the space shuttle, I said, you know, there's a lot of young men and women around here that can fly the space shuttle as good as I can or better. <laughs> but there's no one that got to go to the moon of the 12 of us that would be interested in uh, recording that great adventure, great human adventure mm-hmm. in fine art. We mm-hmm. have it in mm-hmm. we have it in uh, uh, TV. We have it in uh, movies. We have it in still photographs. Mm-hmm. We have it in words, but not in fine art. So I said, maybe if I could learn to be a better artist, I could do that, and it would be a worthwhile thing to do and leave some stories behind about this great first adventure of humans off this earth that would otherwise be uh, available to future generations. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm an artist and that's what I do. It's wow. very inspiring that you're a man of vision. <laughs> yeah. Um, what what medium do you use nowadays? Uh, is it watercolor that we see on your online gallery? No. Uh, the, uh, it's, uh, it's acrylic, and the reason I picked acrylic is one of the things that's a rule of uh, art is art should be of its time. Hmm. And so I was doing uh, the most advanced technical art, you know, subject that there was or yes. is. Right. And uh, acrylics are the technology of this time. Your car is acrylic. If your oils were have been in use for 400 years, and I've painted with them, I love them. Watercolor is even longer than that. 
good mediums, but the best uh, as far as uh, holding color and uh, not cracking and all that sort of stuff mm -hmm. is uh, our acrylics. So I picked acrylics for that reason uh, alone, because I wanted my art to be of its time. Mm -hmm. um, I really love your artwork, by the way, and I was looking at your work, and I noticed there was some real texture to it. Is that like, a, do you do that in layers or something? Is that what I'm seeing? What you're seeing, first of all, uh, over the years I've always liked paintings that had texture. Mm -hmm. And so uh, after a number of years of painting, trying to learn to to create images that looked realistic that I liked, uh, I began to want to add texture to those images. And so I started adding them using the same tools that artists have used over the years, palette knives, end of brushes, fingers, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then one day I said, you know, why am I using these earth tools? <laughs> I've got some tools from the moon that I can use in my painting that would make a more be more significant to what I do. Mm -hmm. I had some moon boots. Mm -hmm. I had some. Uh -huh. I had the hammer I had on the moon. Uh -huh. I had a little core two bit that I drove into the moon. Was supposed to just throw it away, but I put it in my pocket. And so I ended up using those tools in uh, the uh, foundation of the painting. And when I start a painting, I cut. Some, um, I actually don't use canvas. I use plywood that you rake, make real uh, airplanes out of. Not the 747, but you make, you know, some of these sport airplanes. Mm -hmm. It comes from Scandinavia and has about 16 layers. You can't buy it. We can't even buy it anywhere in Houston. I have to order it special. Mm -hmm. But that way it's connected to aviation in some way. Then I put a mm -hmm. texturing material on there. And then I use my moon boots and sort of walk across the painting, <laughs> where the painting will be, use my hammer, make little marks that look good, use my core tube. And then once that's done, I have to sand it and, and, uh, and uh, carve it a little bit. Mm. And uh, it takes about three days to make the base. And then wow. once I've got this base with moon boots in it and all that other then I do the painting over it. Uh -huh. Wow, boy, that's a that's a that's a really uh, an original method. That's yeah. great. That's great. So they actually let you keep the moon boots. Do they let you keep other things too? Not exactly. <laughs> the, uh, not exactly. The, the, uh, for example, I've got some gloves here that I wore on Skylab. They're on loan from the Air and Space Museum. Oh. Uh -huh. And so I've got them. I'm looking at them right now. Mm. But when I'm dead and gone, I'm using them down here. They've got others. Then they go back to the Air and Space Museum up in Washington. Uh -huh. So as long as I don't, you know, I keep them in good condition, then I can use it. Those uh, moon boots uh, are uh, some that were used in training, uh -huh. so they're not like they're the same ones on the moon. We left ours on the moon oh. because we had to offload as much weight as we could. Oh, sure. Uh, so we could bring back more weight in rocks. And oh. So my gloves are up there. Hmm. My backpack is up there. My Hasselblad camera, all those things. Wow. Anything wow. we could could leave behind that we didn't need for the rest of the mission, we did. And then that allowed us to bring back more rocks. So that's where these, uh, these uh, impressions come from. Now, 
when I started doing this some eight years after I'd really been left NASA and painted because it didn't dawn on me to do this till then, like I explained, uh, I had always wanted some moon dust to sprinkle in my painting. Oh, cool. <laughs> and, but they never gave us a rock or anything mm. like that. So I didn't have any moon dust, I thought. And so one day I was looking up on the, at a plaque on the wall, a framed plaque that they did give me, which had my flag from my suit mm. and the Apollo 12 image and the NASA uh, medallion, things like that from my spacesuit that I wore on the Ocean of Storms. And I was looking at them and I was thinking, boy, they're dirty. Oh. Maybe I ought to have them cleaned. And I thought, well, they're dirty with moon dust from the ocean of storms. Admittedly, not much, mm -hmm. but enough to make them dirty. <laughs> and so I said, you know, if I'm willing to cut those things up I and put them in the paintings, I will then have moon dust in the paintings. Not much, not an amount you could weigh, but certainly there is dust in there. So that's what I've done. Oh I'm looking at those flags and NASA patches. I'd say about two-thirds of them are gone now. Wow. If I look at the flag, for example, it's dirty with moon dust, but all I've only got the side with the stars, and the last row of stars is even cut off. So I don't have a lot in the NASA emblem. Only the N is visible. <laughs> ASA is in painting somewhere. So that's kind of what I've done over the years, and so each painting has this texture, and then it also has pieces of my emblem that I wore my spacesuit on the moon and dust from the ocean of storms. Wow. Isn't that something? Well, the stuff is dirty anyway, so. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Who wants it? She <laughs> <laughs> needs it. Yeah. Uh, I, I read somewhere that you, you're, you're of Scottish descent and you took some McBean tartan to the moon with you. Is that right? Well, that's true. Uh, you discover when you are going to the moon that you get letters and and packages from all over the place oh. and so I, here comes a package that said you know I knew that my history was nah, I didn't know it very well but I knew that my ancestors were named Mac Bean and mm -hmm. came over from Scotland as indentured servant one man John Bean was his name mm -hmm. John Mac Bean mm -hmm. but on the ship coming over the purser didn't want to write Mac Bean, he wrote Bean. <laughs> and so he shows up in New Hampshire and and there he is and then uh, that's a great ancestor of mine apparently somewhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they had, somebody knew that they sent me some Mac Bean tartan. Mm -hmm. So I had cut off a piece of it, maybe a, a yard of it, put it in my uh, personal preference kit and I took it to the moon brought it home, and then I sent a big piece of it to uh, a, a church over in Scotland that is, I guess, what you'd call the traditional Bean, Mac Bean Church, mm -hmm. where they keep all the archives. Mm -hmm. But most of it is in a safety deposit box. I'm not sure what to do with it. But <laughs> that's kind of what happens. I took a, I took a flag from the university, for the University of Texas, and I took one from Pascal High School, my high school, and I, you know, when I got home, I framed them and, and then presented them to to those uh, uh, institutions. So you do a lot of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Did anyone ask you to leave something on the moon? Oh, yes. People ask 
asked me to do a lot of things. Some things we could do and some things we couldn't. For example, I replaced an astronaut by the name of C.C. Williams mm -hmm. who got killed in an airplane accident uh, some months before uh, I joined the crew. Mm -hmm. wow. And so we took his, he was a Marine officer, we took his wings up there and left them on the moon. Wow. But I didn't leave things for other people up there. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out a way to do this correctly. And no one knows the rules. You just have to sort of try to do the right thing. That's sometimes hard to do. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you person number four on the moon, it's not really like there's a tradition. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to your art a little bit, I've, we've only seen art in the galleries, and we've only talked about, obviously, NASA-related or moon-related art. Is there any art that you do that isn't um, directly representative of, of NASA and the moon? Well, uh, I uh, uh, had to do a lot of art in my learning phase because the teachers knew how to do other kind of art, and they didn't know how to do space art. Sure. So whenever I was in a class, then I would do what the students did. Maybe we did paintings of, of uh, vases of flowers, or we went out skied and did Arizona landscapes, or whatever it was in the classes. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of that, but I was always trying to get over to space art. And, and let me tell you, by the way, I've done uh, several pictures for my own home. One very large painting that I did like my favorite artist, which is Claude Monet, mm -hmm. and it's water lilies. I used a different design. I didn't copy any of his paintings, but I made a big painting that uh, used his techniques, mm -hmm. and it looks very beautiful. In fact, I'm sure if Claude Monet came by, he'd say, that looks pretty good. <laughs> I'd do it a little better, but it looks pretty good. It looks just like my stuff. So. Mm -hmm. I do things that, but I soon realized that I was the only artist in all of history. Of all the paintings you've ever seen mm -hmm. in your life or any of your listeners have ever seen, uh, they were done by people that had seen the earth and then interpreted it in their own way. And I was the only human ever, and, and now I'll still be the first. Someday it'll be uh, many, many artists that live on the moon and will paint it. But I was am the first artist ever to go to another world and experience it and come back to Earth to paint it. So yeah. I need to tell the story that I know about that as opposed to any story that Earth artists can tell. Mm -hmm. And many of them can tell it a lot better than I could. But no one can tell this story that I tell better than I am. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. You're absolutely right. One, one thing I always would think of, if if I were to land on a moon, no matter what I was landing in, I'd always be worried that I wasn't going to get off the moon. Does, is that on your mind at all when you're on the moon? Uh, it is in a way, because you know that from, you know, the first time you join as an astronaut, you're hoping to go to the moon, you realize that the moon machines, the lunar modules, the command modules are built by humans. Humans aren't perfect, so mm -hmm. their machines aren't perfect. And, of course, the flight after ours, Apollo 13, we were yeah. Apollo 12, it did have a human failure problem. Right. And so we knew that, and you have to be willing 
to uh, accept that risk. And in order to do the job, you've got to be able to put it out of your mind to the extent that uh, it would interfere with with the job you'd have to do. It's much the same, I believe, that football players realize they can be injured and hurt in uh, playing a game, and indeed they do, but still they say we don't concentrate on that, we try to play the best we can, and we just count on the fact that that we won't be, even though we know we mm -hmm. could be. So that was generally the mentality of an astronaut. They're willing to take the chance, uh, and they've learned through the years of flying airplanes and being a test pilot, as I was, how to do dangerous things and keep your focus on uh, on the on the uh, job at hand, as opposed to be saying, oh my goodness, I could get killed here. Sure. Mm -hmm. If you start thinking that thought, which I've never had go through my head ever, then, uh, and I've done a lot of things where I could get killed right here, <laughs> it's, uh, you, you just have to develop that skill. It's almost like a, a quarterback at the last two minutes of the Super Bowl. He can't be thinking about anything except the next play and how he's going to get that ball across the goal line or whatever it is. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, we'll get back to you, Art, but I just have one more um, question. Um, what what was it like to stand on the moon and look up at Earth? I mean, that is that just beyond words? Well, it. I don't know if it's beyond words or not, but it is very science fiction when you're doing it. I mean, it's you're there and you're saying, I was saying, this this is the moon. That is the Earth. It was hard to believe. It was true. Uh, although it, I knew it was true, I was standing there looking at it. But still, it seems so uh, improbable and impossible up till, you know, we actually did it uh, four months before, back in 1969. Neil and Buzz were on the moon in July, and we went in November, Pete Conrad and I. And so uh, it has a kind of a surreal quality to it from the point of view that these things were impossible ever since we were born, and we knew that when we were little kids, and we knew it as we grow up, and we knew it when we were young men, and, and finally we said, well, we're going to try to do this. We're going to do this. So it's, uh, it's kind of... Uh, amazing to us even and mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons there's not good descriptions of the descriptions of the feelings is because they were so uh, impossible to to believe yourself even though you're doing it and mm -hmm. so as I say I would be saying you know, this is the moon. I'd look down at my blueprint. This is the moon. <laughs> and I'd look up and I'd say, that is the earth. I'll tell you this, it's 239,000 miles away. That's a long, long way. Yeah. And you have to hope that the people put your rocket together correctly. Jeez. The little old ladies that sewed up your space suits, they did a good job. <laughs> your neck is way out when you go on a space mission. Uh, you know things can go wrong. You just are saying this is worth 
to me the risk, and I just hope nothing goes wrong that can't be fixed or that would be fatal. So you know that, but you don't think about it very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the last question I have for you about the moon, has anyone ever confronted you about this silly moon conspiracy thing? Oh, sure. People <laughs> do it. They usually uh, say things like, I've got an aunt that uh, it doesn't believe you went to the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm a believer in letting people be who they want to be. If they don't want to believe, they go, it's okay, it doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. You know, you don't, they don't believe it, well, I, I tell your aunt, uh, good luck, or tell your aunt that, you know, hold on to that belief. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not the way I see it, and... Uh, not the way I remember it, but it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I would never, ever try to convince her otherwise. I had, you were talking earlier about watching this thing on uh, uh, History Channel about uh, what, what it was is a, a group wanted to come over and show me this little medallion, little mm-hmm. uh, square little medallion, right. and talk about it. I says, whoa, okay. They came over and they said, now look, there's, some images on here from, I forget if it was six or eight or some uh, earth artists, uh, uh, Andy Warhol, right. and some of the other famous ones. You know, the whole the whole uh, little chip was maybe an inch square. I don't remember exactly, but something like that. They said, uh, and they claim it went up somebody in the factory who we don't know, by the way, who they didn't know who it was, put it on Apollo 12 and it flew to the moon, so it's up there, and it's the first art gallery. <laughs> I said, that's interesting. First of all, I never heard of it in my life, okay? That's one. Mm-hmm. And two, maybe somebody could have done something like that. I said, but I will bet you it didn't happen because we didn't hire anybody that would have taken a chance to put some strange object on the lunar module that would go to the moon that might cause a problem. I said, you do not know that thing could have come loose and gone through a window and let the pressure out of the limb. You don't know. I said, I do not believe we had people that would do that. And I said, not only that, what would be their motivation? Right. What is their motivation? Are they going to make a profit from it? Are they going to become famous from it? Uh, is, are they sending people, we believe people would, on the side of the limb, when they were putting it together, before they put the foil on, they might write their name on it. Mm-hmm. Or they might write the name of their children on it, or something like that, because it doesn't hurt anything. It's just, it's just ink mm-hmm. on metal. We know that doesn't do anything. So I'm sure that if we went to the limb up there on the moon right now, if we could, on the ocean of storms, we could find some names written here and there, or good mm-hmm. luck, or uh, Godspeed to the moon, a lot of things like they, they do. I do not believe that that little thing went with us, and I think somebody in present day has a motive to to show that for some other for some reason maybe mm-hmm. get on tv or something you yeah. know mm-hmm. so I, I i personally don't believe it but you know i don't know everything mm-hmm. yeah yeah i was wondering about that and uh and and how it could end up on ebay <laughs> yeah there you go yeah 
There's an answer. If the guy's selling it, there you go. There's a motive to lie. People yeah. lie all the time. Uh, yeah. I had a, a guy, um, uh, this was on eBay too, but the FBI got them before I did. Oh, I didn't wow. try to get them. I don't even look on eBay. But they called me up and they said, this guy's selling this big rock that supposedly you bought back from Apollo 12. <laughs> I said, look, who, why would I give a rock to some guy? If I had a rock, which I don't, leaving a little, I'd give it to me. And if I didn't give it to me, I'd give it to my wife or I'd give it to my son or daughter or my aunt or uncle. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't give it to somebody you never even heard of. Yeah. And I said, we didn't have any rocks we brought back. They all belong to NASA and the government. Mm-hmm. I, as I say, I don't even have one myself. So, <laughs> I run into this, by the way, frequently. I'll meet somebody at a speech or something. They'll say, my uncle has got a big moon rock. I said, I'll say this. Oh, did he? Where'd you get it? Oh, I don't know. He got it from one of the astronauts. He knew him because he used to eat at his restaurant. I said, really? I said, well, what size is it? And then they maybe show me a baseball size, you know, in their hands. I said, well, where's the rock now? It's in a safety deposit box. Oh, wow. I'm sure that guy believes he has a moon rock, but I can tell you he does not have any moon rocks. <laughs> yeah. They know where every fraction of an ounce of moon rocks are. Mm. I'm sure. I don't think you'll see them on eBay either. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. That, the FBI got those guys. <laughs> see? I, I said to, to the FBI guy who called me up and talked with me about it, I said he made a fundamental mistake. He should have claimed that one of the guys that's dead already, three of us are dead, mm. uh, that's who brought it to him. Al Shepard gave it to him, because Al Shepard's <laughs> dead. Mm-hmm. You can, I'm sure after I'm dead and gone, there's no telling what they'll claim I brought to him. <laughs> and I won't be around to say I didn't bring anything like that to anybody. Mm-hmm. All right, well, well, you have it here on, on tape now, so okay. yeah, we'll, we'll protect <laughs> that you. That won't deter yeah. That won't deter people, but yeah. it's good that we did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, where would uh, someone find your paintings? Did you ha- are you in a gallery? Do you have your own gallery? Yeah, I, I, in a way I do. I have two websites. Mm-hmm. One called allenbeangallery.com, which uh, is very nice, A-L-A-N-B-E-A-N-G-A-L-L-E-R-Y, allenbeangallery.com, where all the work that I do and some other things are on, it's maintained by some friends of mine in Australia. It's their site, really, but it's that. They, people could go there and look and see my work if they wanted to. But if they're thinking about uh, buying a painting, they would need to go to alanbean.com, okay. A-L-A-N-B-E-A-N.com, mm-hmm. and then look through there. It tells the story of how the paintings are made and things like that. And then it has a thing under there, uh, one of the drop-downs where you can... Uh, where you can uh, see what available originals are for sale. Mm-hmm. I don't have very many for sale. I've been working on commissions mostly. Mm-hmm. And then there's several big ones that I did on my own, and they're for sale, but they're, they're pretty expensive, but they're beautiful, I'll say that. Mm. So people can, uh, can look around and uh, um, think about these paintings. I think these paintings will be around long, long after I'm gone. Not because I'm a great artist, but because they're the first art of a world other than the Earth. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm imagining that in the future that uh, people will retain them for that value 
and someday when they have art galleries on the moon, and they will, <laughs> then they'll go up and discover some of these paintings and hang them in that art gallery. I bet they will. First, they'll only weigh one-sixth as much, so that's yeah. a good deal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, look, I've got to get back to painting instead of talking yes. about okay. it. Okay. Well, we've had a enjoyed being on your podcast very much. Thank you so much for your time. Yes, yes. you've been wonderful and uh, very interesting. We're, you're one of our uh, favorite guests. Well, thank you very much. Proud to have been with you. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. This is Martin Willis and Phyllis Go with Alan Bean, the astronaut signing and artist that is signing off. website antiqueauctionforum.com please stop by the forum message board click on the community tab at the top of the menu bar and you can join in on a topic post your own website links and do a lot more thanks so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's show